Whoa, you moved on us. Whoa. What was that? Is that me? Yeah, what was that? I don't know. We're trying to figure things out here on baseball today. No big yeah. deal. What, by the way, where are you? You? I thought you were in your studio yesterday. Or I, I changed that up. It was a little too echoey, and I think here is still a little echoey. But we're working on that. I got some things like on, like on the way for my mm -hmm. mom. Here's the deal, I would say. Since you live in such a palatial estate, why don't you do it from a different room every day? And that should take, I don't know, the 300 or days so, you know, you know, days a year that we do this show. By yeah, that's fine. Get the entire house covered. I mean, this is like a sitting room. Okay. Beautiful piece of art behind me. I have yeah. my old Tucker shirt on. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. Hey, I'm going to throw an extra one your way out of the gate. Uh, did you make it all the way through 16 innings of the Dodgers and Padres last night? No. <laughs> when did you check out? I, I didn't even watch it at all. I was, we're, we're doing some things with our kids sleep right now. Like trying to like get oh. them right on. It's been a tough few uh, nights here at the Plouffe household. Okay. So I was asleep by nine o'clock and then up throughout the night 17 times. Oh, God. Yeah, so I didn't watch any of the game. I did see the highlights. So the Dodgers took it down in six right. innings or something like that. Yeah, it was amazing. So, you know, Michelle and I went out last night. We went out, had a great dinner, lost some money at the table. That kind of sucked. Uh, came back. We were both doing work. And all of a sudden, I noticed they were in the 10th inning, and I forgot it was on ESPN. And so I put it on, and I watched from the 10th, and, and I fell asleep right before Tatis went deep off of Knabel. And that was it. I'd passed out for the rest. I'd spent a lot of day in the sun. You know, I started to get the, the fat all tan. Oh, I, I saw that picture. I saw yeah. that. Good, man. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Fun day. But, you know, that sun zaps you, man. So I didn't see that. I, th I thought the most interesting thing was in 16 innings, the Padres got four hits. Did you know that they got four freaking hits in 16 innings? Uh, I looked at the box score, but that's – it's pretty tough to do that to be honest yeah. with you. you're gonna you're gonna luck into a few hits here and there four hits in 16 innings my goodness all right so i think it was the most the most interesting aspect of it was that this was the longest game since baseball changed the rule with the runner on seconds starting in extra innings so this was very much an old school extra inning game do you like that better than the runner on second no i don't um I like two innings of regular baseball and then the rule. That's we talked about this before. Yeah. I, think, All right, I, I, I enjoy regular baseball, but, you know, it does lend itself to some longer extra inning games, which I prefer not to play in. So huh? two innings of regular ball, then give me this goofy rule. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Jacob deGrom resumed throwing yesterday for the first time since he was shut down about a month ago. The earliest he could probably come back is the middle of September – what the heck is going on? Is somebody playing a game show in your house? I keep hearing this I buzzer. Think that's me, dude. I think it is. That sounds like uh what's that game? What's the thing where you pull the bone out? <laughs> what is that called? It's a weird thing. Anyway. Operation? Yeah, operation. It takes a very steady hand. I don't anyway, know what's going on. I we usually don't most days on baseball. Okay. That's what kind of makes us fun to watch because you never know where we're gonna go. Anyway, with the Crom, do you say shut it down, or do you still keep the door open for him? 
I, I let it be his decision. He's not going to come back and save the season. The Mets are dead. We all know that. Seven games back with wild card, seven games back in the division. What are you going to do? If he wants to come back and, and make it a point and say, look, I'm coming back for the boys, like showing you, like I'm going to continue to work this season, uh-huh. let him do that. If he says, hey, it's probably best to take some time off, we'll get it going for 2022, let him do that. So it's all up to Jacob DeGrom. I would err on the side of caution, although he's throwing now. So, like, if you wanted to get him in there for, you know, a game or two at the end and let the fans see him, I, I probably wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, obviously, talking to the doctors, making sure, like, everything's okay. I'm not rushing him back to save the season because no. the season is six feet underground right now. Yeah, it's it's not salvageable. And that's why I say we'll see in 2022. I know that the MRI is – keep coming back clean but I just have a feeling for the foreseeable future every time Jacob DeGrom goes out and pitches I'm going to say oh my god there's one of the best pitchers of our era and at the same time I'm going to say is he healthy and that is just not fun to do I can't imagine what Mets fans are doing every time he takes them out because I don't have any invested interest in the team I'm just saying it as a baseball fan I love to see him out there doing his thing and at this point in his career he just feels so fragile. Yeah, and, and for Mets fans, just because some idiot like me says they're dead, they're not obvious. They're not statistically out of it yet. So you can continue to watch and pray for a miracle. Right. But you know, we have to make points here, and I've been sticking to that. Like, I, they're just it's too insurmountable with a month left to go. Yep, absolutely. Uh, very quickly in that same game, or uh, at least in the same city with the Mets, lost again to the Giants. During the game, there are. And I can't argue that. I'd be upset too. Now, Austin Slater pinch hitting for Yaz, and it's off the inside just barely. Ball one. Fire Rojas chants echoing throughout the building. You okay with that, or do you feel a little squeamish? It's part of it, man. Like, that's just part of being a manager, is you. Do you have to take some of the heat, even though a lot of the times it's not your fault? Because, like, I always say on this show, like, there's not. St- much they can do. Um, I guess people were mad last night at some pitching changes, bringing loop in, right. first pitch double, whatever, whatever. That's that's lack of execution from the pitcher, not really Rojas. But, like, I, you know, fans can chant whatever they want, and it's been a tough – I mean, the roller coaster of a season the Mets were on, you know, it's been crazy. With all the injuries, never really got out the gate hot or got out slow. They were kind of just middling. And then um, – now here we are. So they can say whatever they want. I think Rojas had the perfect answer. He said, um, I can't control that. I don't really have much to say about it, but they're a very passionate fan base. And that's true. It's all yeah. true. I'm okay with them saying that. Yeah, by the way, <clears throat> when Taiwan Walker was removed from the game, he was pitching well. He had just allowed a couple of, like, there were defensive mes- miscues, really, that led to his exit from the game. And so I think everybody was frustrated. He was frustrated. Fans were frustrated. All sorts of stuff. Um, I personally hate it when fans chant about managers' job status. Like, it's easy for us as fans to just disassociate ourselves and think they're not human beings. Like, he feels this. He understands it. But at the end of the day, is he the biggest problem on the team? I get it. We've talked about this before. If you were to poll all 30 fan bases, how many of them are actually happy with their manager? How many of them thrilled, right? I feel like most people don't even know. Like, should I be mad at my manager? Should I be happy? Right. It all depends on if you won that day. Yeah. 
Yeah, so there's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes that none of us are privy to. I hate hearing those chants. People are like, yeah, we just cheered for fire in our man. Really? How's that help anything, guys? It Does that help anything? It doesn't help anything, but it's like a little bit of uh, release of frustration. Okay. So I get it. He's not taking it personally. He shouldn't take it personally. No, he's not. Yeah. He is not. All right, uh, let's move on here. The Orioles won. The Orioles won for the first time in more than three weeks. They snapped their 19-game skid. But was there a little bit of you that wanted to see them get to 20 just to say we saw a 20-game losing streak? No, man. Not one bit of me wanted to see them lose 20 games. Chris, I've been on horseshit teams before, dude. It's not fun at all. Sure. Not fun at all to show up to the park knowing that you're not equipped enough to go win Major League Baseball games. And that's basically what's happening. Mm-hmm. You said it yesterday. They don't have the firepower. You know, so nope. these, these are big leaguers going out there doing everything they can. I promise Oriole fans this. These guys aren't going out there trying to lose games and trying to slap. Oh, no. Their careers are on the line. But when you go out there and you're facing a team that has just has better, more established players, like baseball is one of those games where you're going you're gonna to get beat. If you're not equipped to go up against these teams, especially in the AL East, you're going to get beat. And that's what we've seen happening. So uh, I didn't want to see them lose. I don't want to see long losing streaks like that. Like baseball's better when it's competitive. Um, so I'm happy for the boys. 20 is a, 20 is a daunting number. 19 yeah. is a yeah, well, they would have been the seventh. Chris, What's three freaking weeks they haven't won a game. Uh, it's brutal. That's it's brutal. crazy. Um, they would have had the seventh 20-game losing streak in baseball history since 1900. Uh, and it would have been the longest one since the Orioles in 1988 when they started 0-21. I don't root for it. I think it's terrible if people were like, yeah, let's see it. That's awesome. No, it's not. It's not. I'm happy they came back. Uh, I'm happy their fans could enjoy it. And kudos to uh, Austin Wims, who was the one that ordered the sage and got it sent to the clubhouse overnight so that, that he and Mancini could walk out into the dugout and use the sage. They're going to be doing that shit every day from now on, I think. Extra, like, sage sales are going to go through the roof now. You know what's <laughs> They're probably going to lose tonight, and it's going to feel just as bad. Like, it sucks showing up to oh. the ball, losing like that, man. I guess. I I'm saying good vibes along with their saves. Look at this. Boom. Baltimore. You got it. Oh, perfect. This should do it. <laughs> this yeah, should Luke do sends it from one of his, uh, you know, thousand rooms in his mansion. That, that, should, that should do I've it I've been for you. there, boys. Let me help you out. I've been there. Hey, Miguel Sano hit the longest homer of the season last night. Uh, I guess still traveling through the Boston area. 495 feet. What is the longest home run you have seen in person? That first of all, Chris, that was a freaking bomb. I know it was. That thing went off into the night sky and never came back. Like, we don't know. No, nope. I know. And, and, you know, pulling a ball is one thing. But when you can go, like, center like that, like left center and, and hit the ball that far, that's, like, that's real pop. Yeah. But for, yeah, so the longest ball I've ever seen, I couldn't act, I don't actually remember who it is. That's the problem. Because this was, like, 2015 uh, Blue Jays team. When they had Donaldson, Encarnacion, Batista, mm-hmm. um, a million other people, they just crushed the ball. It's very scary to play third base against that team, especially with the pitching stats that we were throwing out there. <laughs> no offense to my boys, we all know. Um, one of those dudes, it was either Encarnacion or Batista, got to a 3 0 count and took an absolute hack and fouled it off. Okay? 
3-1, dude throws the same pitch. And Encarnacion or Bautista, I, can't, I tried to look through, I couldn't find it, uh, took an even bigger hack and this time connected. And he went about halfway up the third deck at target field and left field. And this is – it was the first ball I'd ever seen hit in a game up there. So this is like pre-balls juiced. I'll never forget the sound off the bat. Like, I, like, shook like this when the ball got hit. It was so <laughs> – those dudes were scary. Um, but it's fun to see those homers, too. I turned around and watched that thing go. What are you going to do? That's great. All right. June of 98. Michelle Ooh. and I are living in Atlanta. It's during the McGuire-Sosa home run battle. We flew back to Cleveland to go see my family. We went to the Indians-Cardinals game, and McGuire in the first inning off of Dave Burba hit a ball in between the scoreboard at the old Jake, and one of the tall poles, it went out of the stadium. Uh. Out, and so everybody, you know, the Indians were really good back then. Obviously, everybody wanted the Indians to win, but everybody wanted to see McGuire. The place went nuts. And then I think we ended up kicking their ass the rest of the game. So it was perfect. Indians win. You get to see a McGuire home run. But it was – I was like, you you can't physically hit a ball where he hit it. It's and fun. It, There's some dudes that got that natural juice. Obviously, his was a little unnatural. I was going to say, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, well, the thing with him is he had natural juice and then the other juice on top of it. <laughs> Guys, he only took it once. Only one time. I should have taken juice. No, you shouldn't have. You, You're right. Like exactly. We like you exactly the way you are. But if you were still playing, then earning, you know, $12 million a year, maybe. maybe. We're not condoning it. No. I, one. Anybody oh. out there, don't ever do anything dumb like that. Just be natural like Gavin Weir, the little leaguer out of South Dakota who threw his second no-hitter of the Little League World Series. His fourth this summer. I mean, his strikeout numbers are absolutely insane. And we're all looking at him and – we're all thinking like mini Chris Sale, and we're all going to say, I knew him when. Who was the first guy you saw as, as a kid or as a high schooler? You looked at him, and you were like, that guy is going to make it. Delman Young. Oh, good He's, one. He, he, was, he was the number one prospect in every age group since he was like 10 years old, whatever that means. But, uh-huh. like, you know, then he becomes the first overall pick. We played travel ball together, grew up playing, you know, pony ball, little league together. And he was, from the get-go, the best player on the field. And he made it and had a great career. And there was, like, never a doubt in anyone's mind that he was going to make it. He, his tools and, like, his baseball acumen were just so far above every single other person. And then, like, he started to grow into his body, so the physical attributes were there as well. He's amazing. When he was 10, was he hitting balls like 250 feet and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, like he hit, he hit 90 when he was 13 years old, Chris. What? Yes. He played in the area code games, which is for high school seniors when he was an incoming freshman. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. This guy was a joke, dude. <laughs> oh, got, I love he had, that. He had Dimitri big leaguer yep. teaching him how to hit his dad larry was always you know they were working all the time they had a cage in their backyard and he just loved this what he did man listen to punk rock and he played baseball and that's great yeah. i love that all right i've got two guys one was oj mcduffie don't know if you remember him first round pick of the miami dolphins he went to penn state he was a receiver 
he played at our arch rival high school. We went to U.S., he went to Hawk, and he was a year older than me. He played all four sports, so football, uh, basketball, baseball, and he ran track. So in the spring, he would be the DH against us in baseball. <laughs> in between at-bats, he would throw on his track cleats, go run an event, and then come back and hit another bomb. So he was ridiculous. The other guy we played against, he went to Detroit Country Day, Chris Weber. At 14 years old, he came into our gym, and he was just started doing reverse dunks, these all this sort of stuff. I remember walking up to my dad after I said, Dad, should I ask for his autograph now or should I wait till he gets the NBA? He's like, I do it now. I think this is a good choice by you. And, you know, several years later, he ends up being the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. But you see guys at that age and you're like, they're can't miss. There's a few of them out there and those guys are can't miss. So I want to, I want to change my answer. Really? Person, actually? Stop. When I look at that here, I was like, you're you going to do it, baby. You're going to do it. <laughs> See, that's the nice thing. If I had asked a bunch of people at Crespi, you would have been the answer. Probably, yeah. Uh, definitely. Not probably. Definitely the answer. I'm All not right, uh, either. Two other things we didn't have time for. Shout out today. Uh, Edward Cabrera, really, really good Major League debut for the Marlins. Uh, breath of fresh air for a team that's been struggling, particularly over the last month. And Robbie Ray, we're watching you. We know you're in the Cy Young discussion, 14K performance. It's good to see him kind of turn his, his career around the last two seasons because he was a walk a minute, you know, in, in all these places. And he's really straightened himself out. He's going to get some serious dough coming up in the offseason. All mm -hmm. that stuff is awesome. Um, what do you have coming up on John Boy? Nothing. Tomorrow we're filming Talking Baseball, man. Thursdays are, are a slow day over here. Uh, go check out JM Gaming. We just launched that, our gaming arm of John Boy Media. It's going to be, nice. I think, run by Joe's. Oh, good. Uh, doing a lot of good stuff. I might hop on there play some Super Mario Kart because that's the last video game that I played, but I am boss. What's, what, what's the last video game that you played? Was it like Atari? No, stop. You got to remember, I got a 15-year-old. So he's gaming all the time. It's just I suck at, uh, you know, I'm not any good at MLB The Show. He lets me have the controller a couple times. He's like, here, Dad, give me, give me that back because he's really good at it. And he loves it. He's, he does the thing. He creates all of his own uniforms. Nice. Yeah, he creates the whole season, so he's really into it. It's, it's sweet stuff. Um, for me, with John Boy, I'm wearing the Giants hat because I uh, recorded Mike Ustremski yesterday. Nice. And what an enjoyable interview. I did not get to – because it was limited – um, he was at City Field, so it was right before the game. So I had about a tight 29 minutes with him, which I still appreciate. I couldn't get to him opening the baseball cards, but we did get to his struggles in Baltimore and how it all changed. So that part was fascinating. So I got one for two on your questions. What? I said I got one for two on you your questions. You didn't ask for the cards? I, I didn't have time yeah, to. That's okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll have him back. He's a rip. I mean, I know he went to Vandy. He is a super smart dude. You got to hear about how he chose his college curriculum. It is a great, great story. It's fascinating. And I didn't even know he was roommates with Sonny Gray. I knew they were teammates, but he's roommates. So got really, really, really good Sonny Gray stories. Plus, in about an hour, I'm recording another episode of the Res Rotation wow. with An Andrew Chafin hey. of, the, of the Oakland A's. Looks Entertaining like dude. He looks like he should always have been on the A's. Right? Exactly. Like, since 1971. Um, do you 
go away from our conversations being like, that dude's super intelligent. Our conversation? Yeah. I think it depends on the day. Is it more like that guy's handsome? Like, what do you, what do you, what compliment do you give me when you leave? Um, that we're friends. <laughs> that we're good friends. <laughs> and that I appreciate more than intelligence, more than superficial good looks. But when it's the complete package, then I feel like my life is complete. High school education right here, baby. Yeah, but you could Wait, have say, Why do I call it Super Mario Kart? Because it's Super Mario Kart. I think it's just Mario Kart. No, like there's Mario Kart for N64, which was oh. that one. Most people nowadays, when they bring Mario Kart up, they bring up 64, but the OG Super Mario Kart's where it's at. And I play Koopa. OG. I'll smoke you with the turtle. To play that all the time. I love that one. I'm in. Yes. You froze. I didn't hear what you said. I said I love Mario Kart. Like when my kids were younger, I used to play them all the time. So okay. it was fun. All right. We're back at it again tomorrow. We're probably going to dial it in a half hour earlier because I'm back to BattleBots duty. I'll let you know. Okay? You okay right. with that? Big party tomorrow night tomorrow night you want to come would love to i'm in vegas oh yeah sorry i'll let michelle know maybe she'll drop by well, Easy now. Yes. give her my best Easy. settle yes. everybody have a wonderful baseball thursday we'll talk to you soon love you cole tucker